the ideas, the leaders, the lives that are shaping Denmark and the world. From Blocks Hub in Copenhagen, Denmark, this is Global Denmark. Louisa Ogor is the queen of the coding pirates, and she's on a mission to help kids and grown-ups for that matter better understand how technology is changing their lives. It's about a lot more than programming, she says. Understanding technology has become a basic life skill. Coding Pirates um, is started out as a grassroots thing where we uh, created um, clubs for kids, 7 to 17 year olds, to come and work with the IT creativity together with the volunteers. And it started out as an idea because we could see that they weren't ready in the school to teach the kids about technology back then. It's seven years ago. They weren't ready for that in Denmark. So we needed to do something, to have a service where we could do it. So it's like going to soccer or going to scouts or something like that. You can go every week and be IT creative together with volunteers, with a background within technology or being teachers or stuff like that. Uh, a lot of different uh, professions that are interested in technology and teaching kids about technology. And not that much maybe teaching in a classical way, but experimenting, playing, being creative with the technology. So the motivation and the kids' ideas, that is in, that's in the center of what mm. we do um, nationwide now. So it's an IT, it's kind of an after-school club that's focused on IT creativity. Yeah. What are some of the concrete things you do there when you come and how do you do IT creativity? Well, it's a long line of different examples we have. We have um, people working with cybersecurity, hacking. We have people doing like a Christmas balls, blinking Christmas balls or arcade machines or ball tracks or um, programming, computer games, a lot of different things. And electronics, robotics, a, a big variation of stuff within the technology spectrum. And when you say working with, with things, you, you mean these are people that come in from the outside and help kids learn how to do those things? or Yeah, it's, it's a club where they meet up every week. Um, and they work out with the kids' ideas. For instance, just, just to come with an example, um, when asking kids what kind of games do you like, and they say, I love Counter-Strike and I want to build Counter-Strike, and they can't do that. So they're working with, uh, okay, but what, what is Counter-Strike? Well, in Counter-Strike, you shoot people. Okay, so could we create a shooting game yeah, that's okay. And then they can start from like the very basics of uh, programming and f from they get better and better, they can, of course, advance in different kinds of coding languages. But it can also be um, projects where they work together, f for instance, working with uh, ball tracks where some are building the electronical devices, some are creating balls that are going across a screen, um, some are building the cardboard and the stuff for the ball to, to come around. So um, a lot of different elements uh, within a, a club. 
when you when you're in the the library, and that's kind of the docket library there in Aarhus, which is the that's where the library is uh, placed. Is that correct? Um, yes, in we the, have in the children's section there. Yeah, we have a we have a department yeah. uh, at Dogborn, but we have we have about uh, about seventy uh, departments around Denmark. Okay, uh, and only I think about fifteen, fifteen or eighteen are uh, in libraries. Others are placed in schools, in companies, or other places where they can meet up. So and seventy clubs around. Yeah. How, how many kids are involved with Coding Pirates then nationally? Well, uh, 2020 has been a tough corona year, but normally we have around 2,000. So you said that uh, in the beginning it was looking at how can we maximize knowledge acquisition mm-hmm. in the kind of the the broader library context. Um, but I can hear too that it's about helping creativity flourish. Definitely. Um, what, what have been some things that have um, surprised you or encouraged you along this journey? in terms of seeing the creativity come about or different avenues to knowledge acquisition? Well, what surprises me is uh, how good the kids are. If they, um, if we catch them where they are motivated, uh, they are so clever. I have, I have seen kids being at IT conferences for kids uh, where we've had experts in to, to speak about their profession or a specific topic and I've seen like 12 year old uh, boys and girls raising their hands saying I would like to correct you because uh, artificial intelligence is about this and this and this and the expert has said well yes you're totally right I just wanted to simplify it That's so true. so the how clever they are at this because they are motivated and because they are met uh, just where they love to be It's it's incredible. Now, it's interesting because y- your starting point is the human being, right? But I think a lot of times when we talk about moving into the uh, digital sphere, there's um there's almost a dehumanization that happens um, by moving into that sphere. How do you try to um, maintain the very human element of this connectivity well in coding pirates it's by going through the uh, the kids motivation the volunteers motivation uh, on a general basis i think it's very much to do with having people uh, understand and take a stand within the technological development they need to be able to focus and understand the different dilemmas that's actually occurring mm. because Um, the new the technological development brings so much good, so many possibilities, but there are dark sides to it, and we need to be able to to understand those elements. So um, having humans in within it has also to do with saying we need to develop stuff that is good for people, mm-hmm. not that's good for technology. And I think that maybe is seems to to me like is is something that's a little bit unique with coding pirates. I know that there are a lot of initiatives around in the United States, other places in Europe, and in especially particularly probably in the in the in the East, where they teach kids to program. Or you know, I've seen a lot of initiatives um, where they're trying to get more girls to become programmers, and 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 these kind of after school clubs. But this human centered thing is that what makes the Danish coding pirates unique, or is it something else? One of the things that makes it unique is um, that we don't have a curriculum. 
we don't have a plan as to what they should uh, learn. Um, they are not going from from one step to another step to another step. Um, we are there not only, but of course also to teach them technological skills. We are also teaching them to be capable of living in a digital age. Talking about, discussing with them, getting them to understand um, what digitization means for them. Because all things happening like almost... Well, on a very mega level, um, that has to do with what happens for the kids. It, for example, when we talk about uh, games, game development, free games online, they are not free. Nothing is free, ever, never. And the kids need to understand that. And they need to be able to um, figure out if um, if they are selling themselves too cheap by by working with or doing, um, playing free games. Um, so it has a very huge saying on them what's going on, uh, well, by in big tech, uh, when politicians are going on. It, it has so much to do with what they're actually doing. Yeah, so yeah. the instrumental value of the technology in terms of both solving societal issues, but also in terms of forming a human being mm-hmm. yeah I mean, and this is where it gets really interesting right because we're not talking about it's easy to say coding pirates this idea and it's a big movement 70 clubs you said approximately with 2,000 mm-hmm. kids around Denmark it's pretty big um, it's easy to call that a programming club but that's not really what it is this is where it gets interesting it's re- sounds to me if I'm understanding right that it's a club about um, digital Denlse, which is a really crazy word in Danish, right? Because I don't know if there's an easily uh, translatable word for Denlse in English. I mean, I hear it translated a lot as formation um, or the, the German Bildung. Hmm. Um, but that, that, that molding of the human being kind of in the, uh, the classical Greek sense. And, and it's essentially about teaching kids how to live in a new reality. Yes, definitely. Hmm. Um, getting... Um, the kids and young people to understand the consequences of, for instance, sharing stuff online. Mm. We had the big umbrella case a couple of years, some years ago, where uh, naked pictures were shared a lot. And we had a lot of young people, kids, being evicted for that, for sharing that. Um, and I think I'm, I'm quite positive that if you ask the same kids to say, to, to go to the supermarket, to share naked physical f- photos of classmates, they wouldn't do it. Because they would say, okay, but that's not something that we do. So understanding the consequences of actions online is, is very important. And that is sharing, that is um, the way you talk to each other, mm. uh, that is about um, how you act, uh, how you bully or not bully, mm-hmm. um, and of course also how you um, interact in games or on Zoomy everywhere. Yeah, code of conduct. And but how how do you for these seven to seventeen year olds talk about kind of guiding ethical principles in the digital world? There's the difference that what is online will always be online. What you say in the supermarket, in the corner, that will disappear. 
Exactly. You are a public person being on online. Uh, and you will always be there. Yeah, I, I think about so, that so when I was um, growing up. Yeah. I was I'm just so thankful that there wasn't that permanent record. It's that's really a uh, that's a burden uh, and also a, a major responsibility to be mindful of. And also for well, we're not working that much with the with the parents, but to be a parent in these days is also a very imp- it's a huge task yeah. uh, to be able to understand what's actually going on. Uh, and to be able to discuss it uh, with the kids, uh, mm-hmm. being a school teacher as well, is a big um, role to, uh, in this. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, are you sure that it's great for your kids to see all the thousand pictures you've put on Instagram of them when they get old? Have you discussed that with your kids, if mm-hmm. that's a good idea? So so what we... Um, in coding powers and, and in other elements that I, I work with, it's it's very important for me to say, hey, uh, you need to have the kids on board. You need to talk to them. You need to uh, have a dialogue with them about this. Um, maybe they don't think it's a good thing that you share their pictures, and they should be allowed to say no. This whole idea, though, of, of, of digital dannelse, uh, I'm just going to use the Danish word, bildung, the German word, there's, there's no English word for it, unfortunately. Maybe that says something about the culture. Is a super interesting topic. Uh, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more, we'll expound a little bit more on digital dentistry, both for kids and for parents. Studying for an executive MBA at Henley Business School in Denmark is an intense and rewarding experience. If you want to achieve the best possible outcomes in business and in life, Henley can give you the skills and knowledge you need through the Henley MBA. For more information, visit Henley. Before we started this recording earlier today, our producer, Anna, she's over there in the corner waving at us. Um, Hi, Anna. Anna said to, to us both, my God, if some of my girlfriend's parents understood what they're posting online, uh, what, what was it you said? Yeah, it's, it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's what you're talking about is this whole idea of digital life skills. Um, this isn't just for kids. This is something that uh, needs to happen on a much, much larger scale, is it not? Definitely. And to be honest, I'm not that keen on the term digital dance or digital life uh, skills. Digital life skills, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because um, the digital is so much a part of our lives that it has to do with everything in our lives. So you can't say, okay, I'm just going over into that corner and being digital life skilled. Um, You are online all the time. So it has to do with your whole uh, life skill set. Um, Every time we have to talk about it, we still need to talk about the digital in order to say it clearly. But it's so vital to say that the online and the technological development, it is a part of our lives all the time. Uh, not only when you are um, logging into Facebook or to Instagram. It's, it's, it's all the time. Uh, except maybe if you live out in the woods totally alone. But otherwise, it's there all the time. But yes, we, we need definitely to have... Um, have the whole population being aware of the role that the digital plays. Um, 
so that people can act and interact within it. That that your that your friends they are embarrassed. No. Yeah, I think that is um, that's horrible. Um, and 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 we really need to take that into consideration. How we act, all of us. I think that is is very important. Um, I had a discussion earlier this week about should should we go out to say on a national level to say don't use TikTok because they share data so widely. But there's no regi- uh, legislation saying um, protecting us enough. So we need that to be created. We need the legislation to be good. And we need people to, uh, the police, the society, to really be good at watching out what the big companies are doing. But on the same time, we need to have um, our citizens being able to navigate within this. Because right now it's TikTok. In a fortnight, it's Instagram for kids. In a month, it's something else. In two months, it's something else. It will not go away. And and just saying you shouldn't use this particular so me will not make you understand the the role and the way things are, are going with the so, social media. So, right. so you and, need to navigate it. And this it. is just like you're talking about something that's almost impossible with the with the current geopolitical realities that we live in and have lived in for the last many hundreds of years because TikTok is a Chinese company. You can't, how do you legislate that? There's a service out there. We could block it, potentially. People would still get it. You can't block things from the internet. It's just everywhere. It's like water. It gets in, no matter no matter how hard you try, right? Yeah, and it's like society and parenting in general, right? You can't push away everything, you know, this curling model. You need to be able to navigate in the reality. Although we can fight for and lobby for great legislation, but having the tools to be able to navigate in this sphere. Yeah, and I can imagine, you know, you're going to talk also about getting into huge cultural clashes because there's much less of a tendency and a a willingness to legislate, for instance, in the United States than there is in Europe. A lot of the social media companies are based in the U.S. So how do we do this? I mean, what legislators have a humongous job here, do they not? Extremely. And it's a huge task to be sure that they know enough because the development is going so rapidly. In Denmark, we have this uh, quite unique thing um, with a tech ambassador who is situated in Silicon Valley. This embassy is actually a normal diplomacy where they are talking to the big tech companies about how to work with rules, how to be able to get in contact about what should, how should the role be of the big tech. And they're working very intensely on that. That means that in Denmark we have diplomacy strategy. That's quite new. We have had one earlier, but we have just relaunched a new diplomacy hmm. strategy. What, what are the kind of the key goals there in the diplomacy Danish strategy? Well, it's very much to do with having people on board, making sure that we have a good ethical uh, digital uh, development. Hmm. One of the things that's very uh, interesting is that in the strategy it's um, written that they want people, ordinary citizens, uh, NGOs, inst- uh, institutions, organizations, um, being a part of doing the strategy, being a part of putting pe- things out to people. So it's a very, as I see it, a very um, democratic way mm. of working with diplomacy. But it's also a huge task because Denmark, 
We are like this small of, of a nation. We are nothing compared to a, a, a big company, tech company. They have so many more right. inhabitants than we do. Um, and it's but quite, I, it's I think it's a good idea. It is, it, it, but it's it's really it's 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 extremely groundbreaking in terms of acknowledging. And embassies usually work with state departments. They work with formalized power. Yeah, they're an apparatus of the State Department. But now we're acknowledging that the companies in Silicon Valley have as much power. They have so much power, in fact, that we're going to send state diplomats to speak with them on an everyday basis. Hmm. That's that's pretty remarkable. Well, we see technology sparking revolutions. We see it swaying elections. We see it the immense power that it has. It can be easy to get swept away in the negativity and suspicion towards technology these days, Louisa says. In order to take advantage of all that technology can offer, digital empowerment is more important than ever, both for kids and especially for grown-ups. Within the technological development, it's also important to see on the potentials of technology uh, in itself, the development of technology, because to be able to, to create a humanistic technology in a way that it really helps people. We need to have a good understanding of how technology can solve things. Mm-hmm. So for instance, we need health um, staff or um, people working in developing the city or oh, yeah. uh, within a lot of places, all areas actually, to be on, able to understand the technology uh, because then we can develop good technology that's actually relevant. So that is for me also a part of the digital um, empowerment or, or the skill set to, to understand that technology can also have an impact and a possibility or a problem for my profession uh, when I grow up. So, and we need to take that from from actually quite small because we can see that we have a problem in the Western countries uh, with having less women in technology. Mm. That is a problem because women, they are like half the population or something like that. And they have one way of thinking about their life. Yeah, you need that gender diversity to create innovation. Also in the way of developing uh, technology. And we need that from their small because otherwise the girls they don't get the understanding of technology from their kids. And then they, it's um, more difficult for them to get in it when they get older. What are you seeing on the ground there? You know, you work with 7- to 17-year-olds uh, in terms of the, the male-female distribution, and does that change once they become teenagers? Or what, what are you seeing in terms of the, the thousands of uh, pupils you're aware of here? In Denmark, there's been um, we're doing a lot to get the girls... Um, starting educations within technology uh, and it helps right now but like for five years ago I was actually quite often I met um, when I was welcoming kids to some kind of an event and I met people so, uh, parents saying oh this is for my my boy he's going here and I would ask okay what about your girl shouldn't she be a part of this as well no this is not something for, for her mm. that is changing now and and it needs to be changed because it has to, it is so important that both boys and girls, and also all kinds of uh, e- um, economical, social parts of the of the community, understands the technology. Because by understanding the technology, as I believe it, and having the hands in it, 
that also give them an understanding of what's going on, for instance, online, exactly. on the social media. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, but what's the breakdown currently in coding pirates of boys and girls? Do you have an idea? I believe we have 20% girls right now. And that should hopefully uh, raise. It, it, it raises all the time. Uh, thank God for that. But, but we need to have a 50-50. Are you getting the most out of your time in Denmark? Pick up the printed copy of the English language newspaper Copenhagen Post today to access relevant news and event information guaranteed to enhance your working and family life. How do we empower adults? How do we teach adults? Could we imagine an adult coding pirate? Definitely, because it's it has to do with getting your hands within the technology. And uh, that could be for everybody, not just kids. Um, there are some very good examples of, of teaching adults about technology. Also, uh, having people um, working on, on getting people into different sectors or different kinds of jobs uh, through their working life. But um, we could definitely have more. Um, that's for sure. So the libraries had took a huge responsibility doing the mouse courses when when the internet and the computer was new, and and we need more of that. We we need more skills as basic programming, basic understanding of uh, the technology within the city. For instance, you said smart city. What does it mean to have have technology in the city? For instance, what does AI mean or um, how how does that work? What is data, and what is open data, and and what's the difference? Um, we need that on a, um, an adult scale as well. I want to pivot a little bit? You know, I do a lot of work in the educational sector, and um, what is the dialogue uh, between coding pirates and the the schools around Denmark in terms of you know the clubs are outside of the the curriculum, but I can imagine you know just like we have. Where they send consultants by, and you know, you learn about and well-being, and you know, all these things. Do you do you do similar things where you send by an ambassador or consultants that um, help certain teachers or staff? We be- haven't been best doing practices? that, um, and that's because when there was talking about how technology should go into schools. We were contacted by schools who said, hey, we don't know how to do this. Couldn't you come and do it instead of us? And um, we were afraid how that would be understood or if that would be a way to say, okay, then we don't need to do anything because we can just partner out of it, Mm -hmm. uh, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But we are um, very much in dialogue with uh, the people working with creating the... Uh, subject of technology for stolz mm-hmm. or computational thinking that's going into the to the Danish schools now, of course, and and they see it very much. One of the s- places where I can see that that we could uh, help each other is by getting uh, teachers, um, pedagogical staff to to come join as volunteers to try to get their hands within yeah. the technology or the students um, because they have possibility to come and have only five kids per one adult. Yeah. So it's a, a way to rehearse, to try to figure out how to do it. It seems like a golden opportunity for a public-private partnership in terms of 
you know, the, the educational sector that's obviously um, overseen by the individual commune or municipality and, and the does, corporate. And the does, corporate. But there's, a, there's another element in this for me, and that is when I hear Louisa talking about the importance of digital life skills or digital formation, digital understanding as, a, as really a fundamental principle that we're all going to have to have in our life. There is something that's very, very Danish about this that we could at least tie back to the old Danish Grundtvi school of creating the whole person, of giving a person life skills, taking them to school, not to learn Latin and not to learn mathematics, but to learn how to live in the society in which they inhabit, right? And that's what you're talking about. We need a Grundtvi tech school. Yeah, actually we do. Definitely, we we need to understand. Well, that's a what's nice brand on. too. Yeah. Should trademark that. Yeah, I'm going to Tech. <laughs> yeah, but th- but is that not what we're talking about? And when we talk about, you know, on this podcast, we talk about ideas in Denmark. That's really a core Danish cultural idea: is the idea of educating people, not only to do math and science and and Latin or whatever, but to educate them on the skills they're going to need to get through life. Definitely. What do you think Denmark can teach the world? Um, and what do you think Denmark can still be better at? I think one of the most important things in the Danish society is trust. Trust is shaping the Danish society. Trust is making us being one of the happiest nations in the world. Uh, trust is making the wheels go round uh, in a way because it's uh, a way to both drive businesses, our private lives, etc. So trust is definitely something that you can um, that that I think we should teach the world because it also gives a low hierarchy uh, and it gives better equality. So what can we learn from the world? I think we could learn so much. Because we are uh, this little nation uh, tending to forgetting the world around us. We don't see the big disasters because we are not geographically placed where they are. We don't see the poverty. We don't see, yes, of course, we see the uh, climate changes, but not in the way others do. We don't see um, the corona crisis in the way others do. And we forget that. Um, I think we need to be able to be much more a part of the world and be able to help uh, where we can. We are so well-skilled. We have a digital, we were talking about digital empowerment. We are very good at digitization in Denmark. We have, um, we are the nation with the biggest digital public sector. Yeah. Um, And for instance, within the corona crisis, that has helped us so much. Being able to uh, share data instead of having papers floating around, for instance. And we need to help the world with that. And by saying we need to help the world with that, that is by seeing the big crisis going on, seeing the big challenges that we need to solve, because we could help with that. We have high educations, we know a lot of stuff, we have innovative ways of thinking. So we need to get out there. We also ask guests uh, for three book recommendations. 
books that have meant something to you or that have helped guide your work? So I worked at the library for more than 10 years. So how tough was that one? <laughs> books are near and dear to your heart. We asked you the should right have a, question you should have a to couple. you, right? So um, I don't read as much as I wanted to, uh, and particularly not after I got kids. But uh, wow, that was a tough one. So, but one author that has been close to my heart from, like, I was very young, that's Dostoevsky. Uh, I love Dostoevsky. Brothers Karamazov. Yeah. That's one that's of my favorite books. Crime yeah. and Punishment. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, come on. Yeah. yeah. Good um, stuff. Fantastic books. Yeah. Um, so, the, and then I wanted to have a Danish author as well. And I love Hille Hille, a, f- a female author um, writing very short novels her sentences are there is not a single word too much Mm. and there's so much uh, in every sentence and behind every everything she says she's the danish female hemingway yeah yeah i think she's been translated to i think it's about 20 languages then do you have a particular uh work of hers you like all of them. Hmm. I can't say a particular one. No, I just love them. And I'm like, yeah, that's a new one <laughs> in town. <laughs> I'm also a sucker for uh, art books. And Søren Solker, a Danish photographer, art photographer, has just published a book uh, about Black Sun. Hmm. This phenomenon where starlings, I believe they're called, um, massive amounts of starlings are filling the sky uh, with big um, formations of birds. Oh, wow. And uh, it's it's a beautiful book. And his last name is Solker. Doesn't that yeah. literally translate lover of sun? Yeah. Yeah, roughly. Yeah. 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 Well, how about yeah, that? Yeah, how about yeah, that right. when your name actually yeah. reveals what you're going to do in life? Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. And actually, uh, his his pictures they are uh, exhibited at uh, Hart in Herning uh, Art Museum right in now. In Herning, Denmark. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think that are the ones that I wanted to to bring on board. But I also had uh, Edward Snowden's permanent record. You name you mentioned uh, permanent record mm-hmm. earlier, but Edward Snowden's book. Um, permanent record. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll get those books on our well. uh, on our book list. And I think it's very appropriate that we have a lot of literature and a little bit of IT when we're talking to a person like Louisa, <laughs> the human, the humanist IT. I like that. Gurai. Did we do we agree that it's a gurai? Uh, I think we agreed on it. I don't know if Louisa did. <laughs> Louisa didn't agree. But uh, Louisa, it's been an absolute pleasure having you at the studio. Thank you so much for coming to Copenhagen today. Thank you. And um, and the great work you're doing with Coding Pirates and. Um, I think it's a really worthy mission, and I hope to see it continue to grow. This idea of getting um, people more educated in general and empowered about what's going on digitally is very important for the future. I think that's something that we can definitely all... And on a global scale. Yeah. Don't forget to jump over to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, download, subscribe, share. It really makes a difference in helping get our podcasts out there if you enjoy them. Until next time, see you on GDP.